Hey, everybody knows Weber grills. I've been using Weber grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood pellet grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 191. And today in the show, we are back with a rut radio episode in which we're getting updates from hunters all across the country about deer activity right now what's happening in the woods, and what we should be doing as hunters. And we are right in the midst of late season, so be sure to catch this one to figure out how to fill those final tags of the season. Alright, welcome to another episode of the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Sitka Gear. And uh, we are here again for another of our RUT radio episodes. And in those, if you're not familiar, we chat with a handful of different hunters from different parts of the country to get the latest on deer activity, deer behavior, um, current conditions, and all the things that might be impacting deer hunting right now, this week, across the country. Uh, So we've been doing this since September. Now we are all the way into December, and we're talking kind of late season stuff now. Um, so it's much different than you know the rutting activity we talked about back in November, uh, for most of the part. But uh, that's the game plan for today. And with me, the man who makes all of this happen for us is Spencer Newharth. How you doing, man? I'm good. I uh, have not been deer hunting in a while now, but I'm okay with it. When I see the the temperatures that are like seven degrees in the morning and stuff, it, it's all right to be done for the season. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. Uh, very chilly up in the Dakotas hunting in the late season. Um, I thought, I, I kept thinking and telling myself that if I could somehow manage to kill Holyfield early in the month, I could still muster up a late season North Dakota hunt. But uh, I did think, man, if I did that, I bet you it's just going to be Arctic. Um, those late season hunts, they've got to be pretty brutal, right? Yes, and it's like not so much the the cold all the time it's like the wind is that's what gets you so if you're 15 feet of a tree it's even worse so that's what makes <laughs> late season hunts here pretty rough but yeah if if you were doing that mark if you were to take off for ohio or uh, north dakota right now you know mid-december what would your speed scouting and your setups look like you know say these are areas that you're not familiar with and you're just going to hunt you know for the first time in a month in some of these places in some of these places yeah well um 
you know, my plan right now would be to, you know, hunt the cold fronts. So I'd be waiting for the right conditions. I think your your typical late season conditions that you want would be a really, really cold type of temperature day. Those big cold fronts where you see 10 degrees or more colder than usual. Below average temperatures are what you really want. Um, and then I think that the best days are those where you get the winds kind of dying down after that front. Your high pressure, high barometric pressure. Um if you can get those types of conditions and then maybe even some snow on the ground, you know, that should be an ideal type of situation. So that's what I'm kind of gunning for at this time of year. I'm looking for those conditions either here in Michigan or, as you mentioned, down in Ohio. Um, when you get those conditions, then I'd be planning on trying to get into my best spots. And so you mentioned what kind of scouting would I do. Um, I would be doing some, you know, trail camera scouting if I can. Um, so right now I've got trail cameras set up on the edge of food sources, on the edge of late season food sources in places that I can easily get to them. Um, so if it's here, you know, on my home spots in Michigan, I can drive my truck or my four wheeler right to the edge of a cut cornfield or food plot and check a trail camera there. Very low impact in the middle of the day. Um, or, you know, in a perfect scenario, you could have a cell phone trail camera, you know, for my out-of-state spots. Unfortunately, my, my cell cameras don't work right now, so I'm blind in that regard. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be doing a whole lot more than that. The only other thing I would do, now I can't do this in Ohio just because of the setup and because it's far from home, uh, but I do this in one of my Michigan spots is some long-distance scouting, you know, glassing from a hilltop or way off in the distance just to get eyes on deer and see, you know, I just think that with these mature bucks in a lot of situations at this point, they are not going to, um, they won't have the patience for hunting pressure. So if you go in there and bump them once, um, you know, there's a good chance that he just might not come back out there in daylight. So I think you need to wait to strike even more. So maybe at this time of year than any other, simply because you're not going to get many second chances. So if you can glass from a long distance and see, okay, yes, the buck I'm after or a mature buck is coming out in this spot. Um, then you know, okay, yeah, it's time to go in there. But if you're bumbling in there every day, I think you blow your chances of success for the future. So um, that's kind of what I would typically do. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to pull off the North Dakota hunt. Like I mentioned, in Michigan, that's what I've tried to do. I waited for this big cold front that hit last week. I um, was hoping that that would get Holyfield on his feet. Um, unfortunately, it didn't. I hunted a couple different spots with nice cold temperatures. We got snow on the ground. Um, I was hunting late season food. I hadn't been in there in almost a month and, uh, man, it was just really, really disappointing. Did not see him. Didn't see any bucks. Um, every night just saw some does. So, uh, that's unfortunately (laughs) the late season in Michigan. A lot of times there's just been a, almost a month of firearm hunting going on here to this point. So these, these deer have been kind of beaten into submission. So I think a lot of these bucks just go underground at this point. Um, so that's that's the the cards I'm dealing with right now. Um, I hunted uh, four or five times I think over the last like seven days, trying to take advantage of this these good conditions. It hasn't worked out, so I think I'm gonna pull back out and wait until I see another really good set of conditions coming down the line. Hopefully, we get some really cold temperatures or a bunch of snow maybe next week or something like that. And if that happens, it might be worth going in again. But uh, I don't want to risk you know bumping in there too much now that I know, you know, there hasn't been any daylight activity yet. These conditions haven't gotten moving, so I'm just waiting for for a better reason now. So that's my two cents on it, at least.
Yeah, I, I would agree that uh, you just need to have some patience for a little longer because if you bump a deer at this point, you probably aren't going to see him again until 2018. So yeah, it's a, a tough time to be aggressive. But our other contacts and reports we have this week are Bryce Lamley from Sitka Gear in Nebraska. Then we talked to Dan Weeks in Michigan from Nature's Pride Taxidermy. And then we go to Texas, and from Whitetail Diaries is Wade Middleton. And then we talked to Josh Honeycutt in Kentucky from Realtree. That sounds like a great slate of folks to talk to. I'll be interested to see how uh, how everyone's doing. Hopefully there's more good news than uh, what I had to share, since I I haven't had any good news to share. But uh, is there, Spencer? Are some people looking forward to something good, or is it all wah-wah-wah stuff? Uh, it's mostly for the people in the, the Midwest and uh, areas like that that are just waiting for weather, uh, maybe some cold and snow to to herd these deer up and put them on you know easy to to pattern bed to food areas and then uh when we talk to wade in texas it's like the peak rut down there so that's something we haven't heard in like a month now so that's fun to talk to him about that because that's that's really foreign it feels like a whole other country so well i'm excited to hear and um i guess i should probably just shut up now and let you take it from here sound good spencer sounds good we'll talk to you next week mark Before we get to our first update, though, let's pause to thank our sponsors at Sitka Gear. And for this week's Sitka story, we're joined by Caleb White out of Nebraska, who tells us about an unconventional yet successful whitetail hunt. So one of my favorite stories in Best Bucks to date um, comes from public land hunt in Nebraska that uh, I connected with on my bow right before the rifle season. Growing up in Nebraska, it's fun to chase whitetails especially spot and stalking, which isn't easy, and especially on public land. And the story goes, um, I was hunting through this gully and came to an intersection tee, and I looked down towards the right, right before the sun is coming up, arrow knocked, ready to draw back at, in, at a moment's notice. And this 145-inch white-tailed dog and a doe stepped out of my peripheral vision to the left and just happened to pass by. I stop him, draw back, and not knowing how far he was, he he was within that 20-yard range, drew instantly and instinctively drew back on him and let an arrow release. And it ended up, long story short, being my best buck to date, 145 inches with a bow on public land in Nebraska. On Caleb's hunt, he was wearing Sitka's traverse top and bottom. If you'd like to create a Sitka story of your own, or to learn more about Sitka's technical hunting apparel, visit SitkaGear.com. All right, and joining us on the line first in Nebraska, a Sitka Gear SWAT member, Bryce Lamley. Now, Bryce, in Nebraska, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd say 5, which is actually pretty good for post-rifle Nebraska this time of year. Well, our rifle season ended November 19th, and and it really seems to change um, the landscape around here. The deer are really spooky, and and they've been chased quite a bit, and they've seen a lot of hunting pressure. And then now the um, muzzleloader season starts uh, December has started December 1st, and so the muzzleloaders and the bow hunters are both in the field right now. And I just think that there's you know been so much activity lately that it always seems a little take a little while for the deer to kind of start returning to normal habits even though the activity seems to drop off a bit have you heard of any success there from any of your contacts in nebraska 
Yeah, we've had, I mean, I know several bow hunters who scored during the uh, rifle season or right afterwards. Um, buddy of mine killed a nice 120, which is pretty good for his area, um, after rifle. And then uh, another buddy of mine, a stick bow guy down by Lincoln, killed a really nice mature 147-inch 6x6 uh, this, this last Sunday. And uh, it was following some does. He said it wasn't really chasing them, but it was certainly following some does. And so, yeah, I think there's still a lot of uh, reason to be out in the field. Well, as we get into this late season, what are some of your favorite food sources to focus on in an agriculture state like Nebraska? Well, corn. Uh, we don't we don't see as much beans here in, in eastern Nebraska as we used to and, and hardly see any milo. And I think if, if you went further west, you'd see more of that. But one of the things that might make late season hunting better this year than normal is that we had the two really big windstorms in, in the um, in the latter stages of the harvest and that put a ton of corn on the ground that farmers were not able to harvest and so if that was a situation in your area there's a lot of corn on the ground and if the farmers didn't disc that ground up it might provide some really good late season hunting do you prefer hunting just evenings this time of year or do you have some morning setups that you think work I think both, but I, it just seems to me like the mornings are more hit and miss and the evenings are a little bit more consistent. And so sometimes I think, it, you know, if you're usually trying to get in between the, the you know, deer on, when they're returning to their beds in the morning and you, and you screw that up, you also probably messed up your evening hunt. And so you have to be really careful, which, you know, obviously the case any time of year, but I think especially so this time of year, it's very feast or famine. And so, you know, if, if my guy might feel a little lazy saying, well, I'm going to wait till the evening. It's going to be 45 degrees in anyway, but it might be the smartest move. Morning hunts, I think, again, keep in mind that you, you got to be really stealthy and maybe also keep in mind which you know direction the sun is. And so if the deer has a uh, preference, um, it might be wanting to go um, with the sun to his back so he can better see where he's going. Um, that's another thing to kind of consider with your morning setups, I think. Are there any aggressive rut tactics that you'd use this time of year as far as calling, uh, grunting, decoying, hunting scrapes? You know, myself, not so much. Uh, but I, some of the guys I, I correspond with a lot, to, you know, yeah, the decoy. One guy takes a decoy out all the time and, and gets a lot of activity with it. And I think sometimes, you know, um, like even in a field hunting situation, having a decoy out there gives the deer something else to look at and maybe get, lets you get by with a little bit more movement when there's not as many leaves on the trees and that type of thing. We are seeing, too, that there's still some rut action. We saw uh, our trail cameras between December 1 and 10 were full of, of pictures, including pictures of new bucks that have come in that we haven't seen all year. And so I think there is still um, enough rutting activity that the grunts are working and snort wheeze, you know, when, when appropriate. And again, we've talked a lot of times about how if a deer is, if a deer is um, aware of what's going on or, or has sniffed something, I would don't call it those deer at all. But if a deer is unaware, um, we think the snort wheeze and the, the grunt are still pretty good. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Nebraska? I still say 5, partially because I think we still got a few, you know, a little bit of rut action, but we just don't have the, the um, cold weather yet, and it's just not happening, and, and the uh, long-range forecast doesn't look like it's going to really get dipped down either. 
That said, if we get some cold weather, I think it can still get up to a six or seven um, because there's so much uh, corn on the ground still here in lots of of eastern Nebraska. All right, Bryce. Great intel, and thanks for your time. Oh, thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next in Michigan is Dan Weeks, the owner of Nature's Pride Taxidermy. Now, Dan, in Michigan, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Say for the, the yeah, for right now with the muzzleload season that's been going on probably about, I think we're about a, just over a week into it. Um, I would compare to a lot of the other seasons, I'm saying that we're right about a 7, I would think, right now for buck activity. The reason being is there's, you know, a lot of times we'll go through an entire two-week muzzleloading season and maybe take in a half a dozen to eight good mature bucks. And we've been taking in pretty consistently about two to three nice bucks every day. So, and, and they've all been in that three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half-year-old range. And so I would say right now a 10, it, compared to most muzzleloading seasons, out of 10, I'd say a 7 right now. Now, have you noticed any kind of pattern with those bucks that are coming in as far as what those hunters are doing? Yeah, you know, Spencer, what I've been seeing, and I ask every guy that brings in the deer, I ask them, you know, different questions, what time, what was the deer doing, what were you, where were you sitting, what kind of habitat, were you on the edge of a field and a swamp? The majority of the guys that are shooting the nice bucks are right now are on the edge of bean fields, cut bean fields. Um, you don't see many standing crops right now, so they're pretty much cut, but and we have probably 50-50 of corn and beans, beans as far as kind of our area here in southern Michigan. But the majority of them are set up along thick cover but on the edge of a cut bean field. And right now it's been evening hunts that the guys have been harvesting their deer. So I would say, you know, right now that's the pattern I'm kind of seeing is the last probably 15 minutes of light. Um, and the majority of the bucks that have been killed lately have been uh, seen with does, with groups of does, usually two or more does. So we had another nice one brought in last night, same thing. Guy was in a hedgerow, a deer, two two mature bucks came out, came out of a, a thick uh, swamp and came into a bean field, and it was with a big group of does. So it's been pretty consistent that way. Um, I know a lot of guys can't hunt till evening right now because of work, but it seems like the evening hunts along bean fields are really what's uh, been, been good for the guys. Have you noticed any kind of trend then with public land hunters, or is it kind of the same setups for them? Well, we don't have a lot of public land in this area. Uh, there's one piece that's a couple thousand acres that's probably an hour northeast of here. So I don't get many hunters that, you know, to, to talk to them about public land. So I'd say almost 100% of all the deer being brought into our shop right now are uh, private land. And it's, you know, within an hour of where we are here in south central Michigan. But, uh, so, yeah, I don't get a lot of information from public land just because we don't really have a lot here in southern Michigan. Well, based on where the deer are bedding and feeding right now, do you think a lot's going to change in these next three weeks or so, or do you think that'll remain pretty consistent? I think it's going to be remain pretty consistent. Um, you know, last season, this late, we don't have the cold and the snow, but here in Michigan we've had the cold and the snow, so that has forced them to you know, kind of change your patterns and come to the, the beans and the corn, mostly the beans. But yeah, I think the rut's still really going on pretty decent. Not, you know, not great. You don't see the little guys doing, doing much, but, uh, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of the hunters have been still seeing uh, bucks chasing those and with those. I've seen open myself. I've actually noticed open scrapes that were being opened up in the snow scrapes that haven't been opened up in three to four, probably three weeks. 
Um, so that, that activity start, you know, that's still continuing right now. So I really don't see a change in the pattern, especially with the, for us, we have the snows that's going to stick for a while on these cold temperatures. So I think, uh, you know, I think that's, it's kind of speaking for itself with what these guys are bringing in and that these last for us, we think next Sunday is the last day of our month loading season. So I think for Southern Michigan, it's, you know, still a really good opportunity for hunters to get out there and get a chance to tag a good buck. Going forward then in this next week or so, Dan, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10? One to 10, I would say probably going to go down a little, maybe to a five or a six. That's my, that's kind of my personal opinion and what we've seen in the past. And just because I think the rut is going to probably in the last few days of it. And so for the next week, 10 days, I'd say it's going to go down from a seven now to probably a five or six. All right, Dan. Well, I hope you get a chance to get out yourself and, and maybe take advantage of that muzzleloader season. Thanks for joining me. Yep. Thank you, Spencer. Good luck to you. Before we get to our next caller, though, let's pause for a word from our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Blake Farah, a land specialist out of Texas. And Blake is me telling us about what whitetail hunters should know before planning a Texas hunt. You know, I think the... Uh probably one of the biggest misconception i guess about hunting in texas is that they've seen one or two hunts on tv and they assume that's the entire state of texas and i would tell you that uh you know one of the great one of the greatest things about hunting in texas is the the massive amount of diversity that you have depending on your geographical location in the state so you can have any different experience as far as whitetail hunting goes all across the state. It kind of functions as four or five separate states entirely, according to habitat, location, topography, terrain, uh, you know, all of those things that you would kind of classify the Midwest or, you know, even farther out West doing some elk hunts or something like that. And Texas has such a big diversity of things that you can really find really whatever experience you're looking for and just driving two or three hours in any given direction, you can have completely different types of hunting. I'd say the main regions of Texas can kind of break down into what everybody knows as South Texas. It's kind of South San Antonio, characterized by the classic South Texas brush country. Big, wide, tall whitetails, very mature. You can have great age structure because the ranches are huge. You've also got kind of the panhandle where it's more of the kind of the Kansas-Oklahoma strain of whitetail, a little bit more of the river break country, big draws, big cuts, wide open country. You've also got West Texas with huge canyons, um, a lot more of the spot and stalk type country out there. And then you've also got East Texas where you've got huge timber and you've got large timber stands and you can actually have and grow some crops and have some tillable and, uh, you know, just a huge diversity across the state. If you'd like to learn more or to see the properties that Blake currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash Farah. That's F-A-R-R. A-R. All right, and joining us on the line next out of Texas is the host of Whitetail Diaries, Wade Middleton. Now, Wade, in Texas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd have to give it where we're at, which is in and around the Del Rio area, an 8 plus. I mean, we're seeing new deer every day right now. Very active um, as far as, you know, showing themselves in daylight hours, which every hunter loves. And seeing a lot of chasing activity you know both by immature bucks and mature bucks well wade what part of the rut would you say that you guys are in as far as labeling goes peak rut pre-rut post-rut what do you think it is 
you know, I've always hated the label and talking absolutes when it comes to deer because I always prove myself wrong <laughs> the more times I'm out there. But, you know, I would look at the places that I've been seeing in the last couple of days as, as being in the peak right now, um, just based on the activity. I mean, yesterday we had a, a 10 point buck, you know, breeding a doe. He actually tried to breed her twice and got her the third time. And, you know, we're seeing deer on our scouting cameras where they're running them and just very active all the way around. So, you know, I'm going to have to say we're right at the peak, at least in the areas that I've seen. But, you know, Texas is such a big, vast area. And, you know, when I may be seeing it on one end of a of a pasture, it may not be going on on the other or the other end of the county. So I always keep that in mind when I'm, you know, looking and hunting this time of the year. Well, you just referenced trail cameras. Uh, what are you doing with your game cameras this time of year? Do you move them off of feeders and, and into other areas, or is it the same thing as it's been for the last month? I keep moving them all the time. I mean, I, of course, I'm I'm a trail cam junkie. I mean, I literally will run as many as 40 cameras at a time, uh, especially in the early season. This time of the year, I'm probably running 20, 25 because, you know, we've got so much going on. And I move them daily. I mean, I move them sometimes half a day, just trying to find something new, trying to find something that's going on. Um, and, you know, we're hunting about 15,000 acres out here right now. So that gives us the ability to do that and move around a lot. Uh, I may be moving them to food plots. I've got some I just moved this morning to a pipeline trying to look for a certain buck. And, and you know, Texas is known for hunting around corn feeders. I always keep some around certain corn feeders or protein, on-demand protein feeders, so I can, you know, just gauge the activity, see what they're doing, see what they're hitting, and see how they're acting. Running that many trail cameras, then, do you still find some new bucks that show up during the rut that you didn't know about? Oh, that's the beauty of, of you know, where we're at. I'm always surprised. Uh, we had a deer just recently show up, never seen it before in my life. We've hunted this pipeline, uh, you know, for almost 10 years. And I always have a, a camera in this area, very religious about it. We hunt that area, and then lo and behold, you know, a couple weeks ago, pulled the cart, and, and there's a giant, big old eight-point, long G2s and threes, never seen it before, six-year-old probably deer. And that's why I run them because, I, you know, you never know what's going to show up this time of year. Don't know where that deer came from uh, or what caused him to show up on that stand, but he's there. Well, wait, I believe you guys just got some snow down there recently and such a foreign weather pattern for your deer. How do you think that changes things, if it changes things at all? Well, I got to admit that I'm pretty soft, so when that snow rolled in, it was, it was tough for me to even want to get out there. And I've always said that, Deer in this part of the world, when it gets too cold, they actually don't like to move at that time. And, and people roll their eyes when I say that because they're so accustomed to a good cold snap making a lot of those deer move. And it does, but I think it moves them later in the day a lot of times here because they're just not used to temperatures below 32. We maybe see that type of temperature range four or five you know, days a year in the in the early season and late season, we may see a little bit more. So um, it definitely affects them a little bit, but it doesn't take, I mean, in Texas, you just got to wait a few hours and we're going to be back in, in pretty mild conditions. Are you hunting pretty aggressive then right now using some calling and decoying strategies? Rattling. I mean, sun up to sun down and go rattling because that's my favorite way to aggressively hunt, um, cover a lot of ground try to get in different places, uh, be it bedding areas, feeding areas, areas where I know that there's a lot of active does in there and, uh, and, and bang the antlers. I mean, it's just, even if I'm only rattling in ten, teenager, you know, from the standpoint of one to three-year-old bucks, it's just the way they react and the way they come. 
definitely mixing a little bit of grunting, but mostly I hit the antlers and I hit them really hard. I'm I'm a very aggressive rattler this time of the year. I mean, I will bang into the trees. I kick the rocks. I, you know, I want to look like two mature bucks. I want to sound like two mature bucks out there. And Saturday, this past Saturday, we actually rattled one in uh, for a handgun hunter, Tony Mealy from uh, Smith West Performance Center. And it was either going to be, he had to shoot that deer, that deer was going to take me out because he came me in on a dead run with just, I mean, fire in his eyes. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Texas? I think you're still going to be in a phenomenal movement pattern, seven to nine. I, I mean, it's, like I said, I hate to talk in absolutes, but we're just setting up in a time of the year when the deer are, are moving. There's still going to be some good chasing going on, and uh, the guys are going to have success that get out and hunt hard. All right, Wade. Well, I like your optimism, and good luck going forward. Thanks for joining me. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is the deer editor for Realtree, Josh Honeycutt. Now, Josh, in Kentucky, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, daylight activity has been really good. Uh, I would say just, just pure daylight activity has probably been about a 7, uh, 7 to an 8 with all this uh, cold weather, this cold front that we've had pushed through the last few days. As far as rut activity, that has uh, significantly declined down to like a probably a 2 uh, this time of year. Well, is that uh, seven for daylight movement? Is that what you'd expect to see in mid-December like this? Well, if, as long as we get the weather. Uh, it really all just comes down to the weather. If you get the weather, you get the movement. Uh, you know, and, and right now, we've uh, I've been out in quite a bit for the last six, uh, six to seven days. I've not personally been hunting, but I've been taking some first-time deer hunters. Uh, I was fortunate I I filled my buck tag earlier uh, in the season, so I've just been kind of hanging out and taking people, and I've been seeing a lot of deer on their feet, uh, a lot of deer on their feet, a lot of deer moving. Like I said, it's probably about a 7 to an 8, and I would expect that this time of year, as long as we have cold weather, to encourage those deer to get up during daylight. Well, what are some of your favorite setups, then, to catch some of that daylight movement? Well, every uh, situation is different. Um, I, I try not to get pigeonholed into any particular tactic i like to read whatever situation i'm in and kind of analyze it uh and and figure out what the best approach is going to be but on the average you know a a typical setup i I don't hunt mornings as much this time of year Uh, i kind of cut back on uh, the amount of morning hunting unless i know there is a particular deer that i can kill on a morning hunt so every situation is different, but uh, the, the average setup this time of year is going to be an afternoon hunt. It's going to be set up closer to food than bed, uh, than the bedding area. And, you know, if, if I'm hunting, you know, if I've hunted a day or two, or if I already know that the deer aren't quite making it to the food sources during daylight, then I kind of start easing back towards those bedding areas. But this time of year, you, you can rely on your early season scouting uh, uh, to give you a little bit of a, of a of a uh, advantage when you go into your late season scouting was a lot of times those deer kind of revert to their uh, uh, early season pre rut patterns. So this time of year, focus on food, uh, get close to those bedding areas if you have to, but don't pressure the deer uh, unless you just absolutely have to get aggressive. Now, have you seen any secondary rut activity yet, or do you think that's still to come in Kentucky? Uh, here in Kentucky, uh, I've been, uh, I do hunt up in Ohio and I've seen quite a bit up there, but not much here in Kentucky the last few days. Um, I've, I've been seeing a lot of bucks and does out in the fields together. No bucks, uh, you know, both young bucks and, uh, more mature deer 
haven't been seeing any bucks uh, bumping does. Even the young bucks haven't even seen them nudging does. Um, you know, I, generally this time of year, somewhere between December 5th and 20th, kind of ranges uh, or varies. But kind of somewhere between the 5th and the 20th, we typically see a pretty good little burst of rut activity. Uh, and, you know, a lot of those does that were missed in November, a lot of your younger does that are just coming in estrus for the first time, if they reach that weight threshold that they need to uh, in order to do so. Uh, I, I haven't seen that yet in Kentucky. So my gut tells me that it's still to come here in Kentucky. Um, I've been checking trail cameras, been in the field watching, and I have not seen any evidence uh, through either of those uh, scouting methods that we've hit that second rut. Uh, my guess is that's going to happen sometime uh, within the next uh, eight to nine days, probably a little sooner than that, probably within the next three to four days. Um, but it, you, you just never know for sure. We've talked a lot about food sources so far, and what are your some of your favorite food sources in that area to focus on in December? Well, you know, I'm I'm in an area, I'm in south-central Kentucky, so I'm kind of blessed. We've got a lot of agriculture around here, so it makes things a little bit easier than if you're hunting the big woods for, uh, of eastern Kentucky, uh, you know, in the mountainous terrain over there in the foothills of the Appalachians. It's a little bit different style of hunting, so again, it just kind of, it kind of falls back to the specific style of hunting that you that you have where I'm at, I'm focusing on soybeans, um, corn, um, and, and this time of year that can either be cut beans and cut corn, as long as there's enough waste grain on the ground that the deer are still hitting those. Maybe your the farmer had a, a combine that's not as new, and some hit the ground or it was uh, damaged crops, you know, which was led to more of it hitting the ground. Uh, but this time of year, standing beans, standing corn. If you've got that, then that's the ticket. Um, a lot of people are planting food plots these days. I really like brassicas, turnips, radishes uh, this time of year because of the glucose levels and those are, you know, skyrocketing from the from the colder temperatures and the deer really hitting those hard. Um, and don't forget to go natural. You know, I think in today's age, uh, a lot of deer hunters forget to, to focus on natural uh, native uh, browse. You know, this time of year, that's what they naturally live off of. They live off of remaining hard mass crops that's still on the ground. Uh, which we didn't have a ton of, at least in the area that I'm in this year. So I wouldn't expect for them to be focusing on too much on acorns. But, uh, you know, just woody browns, you know, just getting back to the basics. You don't forget that, too. So focus on ag if you've got it. But if you don't have it, focus on that native browse. Get up there, get boots on the ground, do a little bit of low-impact scouting and figure out where those deer are feeding at. Going forward then in this next week or so, Josh, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Kentucky? I think it's gonna it's gonna die down a little bit in the middle of this week because uh, we're gonna hit a little bit of a warm. Well, I take take that back. It should continue to climb. I uh, just looked at the, the the weather, so excuse me there, I misspoke. I looked at the weather this morning. The 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 buck activity uh, just in sheer daylight deer activity should keep increasing, should increase until probably Wednesday or Thursday, kind of peak out. And then it's probably going to fall off a little bit going into the weekend because we're going to be warming up. It's going to warm up, get back up toward the, the late, uh, the, the high 40s, pushing toward 50 down here uh, in Kentucky towards Saturday, Sunday. So I would think if you can get out in the woods of an afternoon after work this week, do it because the weekend may not be as good. Uh, I would say for probably Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to say it's probably going to be around an eight, eight and a half. And then toward the weekend, it's probably going to fall back down to a five or a six. All right, Josh. Well, congrats on getting it done while the deer were still in velvet. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, man.
All right, before we move on, I want to take a quick break here to thank our partners at Maven Optics for their support of this podcast. And also, want to let you know about a couple great deals coming from Maven for the holidays right now. First and foremost, Maven is offering through December 31st, 15% all of their C-Series binoculars. And the new C-Series, which just came out with this year, are their more mid-level price point binocular. And I got a pair of these myself this year. I've been testing them. And I got to say that the quality of optic you're getting is is darn near close, the very top tier that I've ever experienced. But at the same point, you're talking about a price point that is is much more reasonable than you see from almost any other high-end binocular or optic out there. We're talking $300 and change price point for their C1 binocular, which is the one I'm using. So terrific bino mid-level price point that I think is is really reasonable. And like I said, right now through December 31st, 15% off. So definitely check that out if you're in the market for a new bino this season. And then secondly, free custom upgrades on all of their B and S series optics. So you pay for your frame, you know, the basic binocular, but then all the customizations you want, the custom colors and camo, whatever you want on that bino, those upgrades are free. So both of these promos are live through December 31st. Check it out at mavenbuilt.com. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired Hunts Rut Radio. I want to thank our contacts who provide the great reports each week, and we thank you guys for listening. I'd also like to thank our sponsors at Sitka, Matthews, Maven, Yeti, Whitetail Properties, Whitetail Institute, Huntera, and Trophy Ridge. And as always, stay wired to hunt.
So before we move on, let's take a quick second to thank our partners at Whitetail Properties. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. 